This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. There are about 1,400 school board races going on across Michigan on November 8th, and these races have become highly politicized in ways that we really haven't seen before. Here with me to talk about all of it is Michigan Advances, Allison Donahue. Allison, welcome to Mishmash. Hi, Shana. Thanks for having me here. Contentious school board elections create new divides in communities across Michigan. That was the name of your piece this week in the Michigan Advance, or one of your pieces this week, I should say, in the Michigan Advance. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been seeing ahead of the election? We're seeing what is typically a very quiet, under-the-radar race like school board elections becoming highly politicized, even though they're nonpartisan races, candidates run as nonpartisan candidates, folks are really heated up, uh, especially about some of the hot button cultural uh, topics that we're seeing, like critical race theory, or um, some books that are some parents want to see banned, um, gender identity being talked about in the classroom and other curriculum um, topics. That's really getting folks heated up. So we're seeing that a lot in school board races. Where are some of the areas across the state that you're seeing some of the most contentious races? Do these tend to be in the bigger cities or in the smaller school districts? Yeah, it doesn't seem to matter so much about the size of the area. Uh, Josh Cohen, who's an education policy professor at MSU, pointed out that it's really about where we're seeing competitive races at the congressional level or in the state house, state senate. Yeah, if you follow those races, you'll that's where you'll typically find these contentious school board races. What are the long-term implications of these races? Um, you know, I think a lot of times people think, I don't have kids in school right now, so I'm just going to kind of ignore that part of my ballot. But what is your pitch to people, even those who don't have kids in school right now, for why they should be paying attention to these local school district races and why they should, you know, be doing their research One and voting thing in those that races? I've heard from folks is that they feel like the school board is a reflection of the values of their community. Um, so that is a simple enough reason to vote for the values that you want to see in your own local community. The other reason is that the, the school board is dealing with a lot of communities' money, especially in um, small towns where it's sometimes the biggest institution in the town, their local school district. Um, so that's where a lot of local taxes are going to. And it's important to, to know who is handling those because a lot of the issues um, that school boards actually deal with on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis has to do with their budget, transportation, um, not some of the hot button issues that we're seeing talked about. Can you talk a little bit about the growing rise in political interest in school boards? Your piece mentioned that it has increased after former President Barack Obama adopted the Common Core standards. And then today we're also seeing a lot of upheaval over teaching critical race theory. So what is what is going on here? Is it just these sort of like there's a new method of teaching that comes up and then everybody starts to have problems with it and then you sort of see these upheavals or is there more to it than that? I I think when there's ever like a a body that holds power, people are going to pay attention. I guess it just depends on what it is. So, you know, school boards were a huge focus when folks were deciding if they wanted um, evolution to be taught in schools. 
um, we were seeing maybe not to the extent that we're seeing now. And again, with Common Core, it wasn't to the extent that we're seeing now as far as how emotions have um, come to play and how politicized it's become. But it ebbs and flows, the interest in school boards. Um, this one just kind of seems to snowball. Um, I think that's what makes this one feel so uh, different is that it started with COVID in a lot of ways and mask mandates and then critical race theory, the transgender and gender inclusive bathrooms at Williamson that had a com um, really sparked conversation. So we're, we've been seeing this gradually build and now um, school boards and folks that are looking at school boards kind of have a mountain of issues um, that they want to see addressed, which I, I think raises the pressure, raises folks' emotions about it. So yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the difference that I'm seeing at least. When we talk about school board races, they're they're technically supposed to be nonpartisan. So I think that tends to be where people get confused when they look at their ballot and they've been hearing at least this term about how political it is and how Democrat you should vote this uh, candidate because they're more Democrat or this candidate because they're more Republican. Walk us through what it means when we bring politics into schools, aside from the confusion that people might face when they get their ballot and they don't see D's and R's next to names. It plays a role both on a very local level. Um, again, in some of these smaller districts, like I reported on Whitehall, which is a small community in West Michigan, just north of Muskegon. Um, they have a graduating class of about 150. So it's a small school, small community. Th there's something to be said about bringing politics into a nonpartisan race when it is so tight knit and it's a community and the folks know each other. I mean, that is one way that politics is really complicated the school board race um, and complicated communities. And I think that's going to be a challenge that these communities will have to deal with later on. The other part about bringing politics into schools is that a lot of folks who are in the political world see school boards as a place to potentially grow more politicians. Um, you know, local, any local elected, you know, city council, whatever, um, so if you can bring folks in, and, and we're seeing it, national political groups have been watching local school boards. I mean, Turning Point USA is this really large conservative national organization. It's focused toward young Republicans, but they've been watching school boards in Michigan for over a year now. Um, it started at six, I think, this time last year, and it's in, at the dozens now that they're watching. Um, and so if you can bring folks in at the local level and already kind of give them a playbook, it, it makes it a little bit easier to turn them into state representatives and senators and congressmen later on. I think that's also playing a role in it and just having folks who are um, kind of on the same page as these national groups who are getting more involved in in their local communities and voting. And that's also a benefit for them too. On both sides, everyone benefits from folks getting involved. That's such an interesting point about how this is really a way to grow new politicians and get new other more people active in politics. In that way, has 
have school boards sort of always been kind of a breeding ground for politics and we just haven't been talking about it and haven't really seen it? Or is it different in some way now? I think it's different. I talked with Don Wachruba over at the Michigan Association of School Boards, and he was saying that previously, um, I think probably three election seasons ago, around then, they were having a hard time filling school boards. Um, there were so many elections where you know they couldn't even get write-ins or whatever, so they actually started a school board candidate training program um, to help people learn how to run for school board. And it's nonpartisan. They don't touch um, like any political issues at all. It's all about learning how to read school budgets and all of that. But they needed to actually get folks inspired to run. And now we're seeing school districts, which might have been in that category a couple election seasons ago, but now have 9, 10, 11 folks running for three seats. It's completely different. Let's talk about the money in these races. Usually school board elections tend to be pretty budget friendly, but that's not the case this year, is it? Yeah. And that one's a little bit harder to track. I talked with Vladimir Kogan, who's a professor at Ohio State University, and he said that right now there's not a lot of data there to easily track this. But school board candidates anecdotally are telling me they're feeling it. I know I talked with one candidate in um, Whitehall, Melissa Moore. She she was advised when she first started uh, running that she would never need to file for her campaign because she would never spend over a thousand dollars, and that's that's the minimum to have to file. And then she was completely proven wrong. It was so much more expensive than she ever thought. And as soon as she bought small yard signs, her opponents um, were able to put up a, a banner in the main main street in Whitehall. So, I mean, there is pressure. Candidates are feeling it. They're, they're not making any money by being on the school board, but they're spending money to get there. Um, and I think that is interesting. And, you know, once we are able to track exactly who's funding this, I mean, we can see who's endorsing and maybe donating for mailers or helping folks get the words out. But um, yeah, it's been a little bit hard to track the money exactly, but we can see it in ways that we haven't seen it in previous elections. I think Don Wachuba said there's an unprecedented, is his word, amount of money being spent on school board races. The governor's race is obviously also on Tuesday and education and how kids are being taught has really played a big part in the GOP candidate Tudor Dixon's platform. How do you feel all of this has factored into her race and how has Governor Gretchen Whitmer responded? Tudor Dixon has been really successful with building a base. Um, She has Moms for Liberty behind her. They endorsed her. Um, a while back. And Moms for Liberty is this growing group of really fired up moms. And um, all across the state, I think we have 12 chapters in Michigan, but it's a nationwide group who all are really focused on the same issues that Tudor Dixon has been campaigning on. Um, A lot of what we have already talked about with talking about gender identity before the third grade or having gender inclusive bathrooms, having transgender students 
uh, or transgender girls on the sports team that aligns with their gender identity. I mean, these are just some of the talking points. Again, critical race theory that we're hearing from Dixon's team. I haven't seen Whitmer touch that as much, but she also has four years under her belt that she can lean on. She passed the state's largest K through 12 education budget. Um, And that's mostly what she has been focusing on. It seems like she's not really trying to give much airtime to some of the some of the issues that Tudor Dixon has really been campaigning on. Is that strategy of not really responding or wading into the how kids are educated debate? Is that is that working for Governor Gretchen Whitmer or have you heard uh, different voters being, I guess, uh, wanting to hear more from her on it? I don't know that I can exactly say that voters that I've heard voters say they want to hear from Whitmer on this. A lot of their anger has really been directed toward the Michigan Department of Education um, that I've seen. And Superintendent Michael Rice, he's been asked to resign a few times. But as far as her strategy, I don't know what would work in this situation because a lot of it is led, it is moms who are upset and dads who are upset and grandparents who are upset and on social media. Um, And they're doing a lot of the work for spreading the word. Um, So could Whitmer fact check or dispel some of it? I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know how productive of a strategy that is at this point, but I'm no political analyst. Allison Donahue is a reporter for the Michigan Advance. Allison, thank you so much for joining me here today on Mishmash. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Make sure you get out there and vote.